I'm so excited uh, for every opportunity I get to be able to um, speak and uh, preach God's truth to you. First of all, I just want to say thank you to Pastor Makai and Miss Jane for the opportunity. I don't take it lightly. It's a great honor and a privilege to be able to do this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not just something I get up to do and want to do it out of my own strength. But I'm thankful for the opportunity. And it's amazing that God has allowed me to do this. And I'm excited for what God has for us today. Uh, <clears throat> so, in the past few weeks, we've been going over a series entitled, Hear No Evil. And it's been a very interesting series uh, for me, as a matter of fact, to kind of just learn about the truths found in Scripture about hearing no evil. And it's been really just enter- entertaining for me just to listen to Pastor preach, and really uh, convicting in my own personal life to apply these spiritual truths found in God's Word in, in my daily life. You know, that's the goal of preaching, is that we would apply God's Word in our life every single day so that when we do have a, a bad week, that we, hey, we remember that message, that word that pastor spoke to help us, encourage us along our Christian journey. But before we get started, I want you to touch your neighbor, touch your neighbor, touch your neighbor, touch your neighbor. Touch your neighbor next to you and say, neighbor. Oh, man, that was weak. That was terrible. All right, let's wake up real quick. All right, I want everyone to say, neighbor. Oh, there it is. Neighbor. I'm so excited for what God has in store. All right, now touch your other neighbor, touch your other neighbor, and say, neighbor, I'm so excited for what God has in store. All right, now touch your other neighbor behind you, turn around, touch your neighbor behind you if you have a neighbor behind you, and say, neighbor, if I start falling asleep, you can hit me. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But cool, I'm excited for what God has for us today. But before we get started, let's do a little recap of what pastor's been uh, speaking about, because you know what they say, right? Repetition is the key to what? Oh man, repetition is the key to what? There it is. Repetition is the key to learning. So let's do a little recap of what God's been teaching us throughout each and every week. Week number one was a message about how we fill our lives with so much noise. Pastor went over three main points that he went over. It was the voice of God, the voice of the devil, and the voice of self. The voice of God, the voice of the devil, and the voice of Self and how it's hard for us in this society to actually hear from God because we're filling our minds and our lives with all this extra noise. Week number two was a uh, really interesting. I was I was super pumped for this because I've never really heard very many messages on this. Was the anatomy of a lie? You know, no one has to teach me how to lie. I'll just I learned how to do that on my own. I'm that smart. But <laughs> the anatomy of a lie and what Pastor went over the three main points that he went over was this. Um, a lie has a target. You know, a college professor of mine, a pastor knows this, Miss Jane, would always say, he who aims at nothing hits it every time. A lie has a target, was point number one. Uh, point number two was a lie has an element of truth, meaning, hey, the devil's going to give you some truth. You're not, you shall not surely die. You'll be like God's knowing good and evil, was kind of what he mentioned. And point number three was, take every thought captive, you know, because we, we're just like, we're in this world, and we're just thinking and thinking and thinking, and then we're just letting whatever come at us come at us, but pastor's like, no, 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 don't let that, don't let that happen. You got to take every thought captive and realize the tricks that the devil are trying to trick us with because, man, he's, he's good at it. That's, this is, this, that's what he does best, but this week, uh, I'm really excited. Pastor asked me to uh, preach a message on speak your truth. Speak your truth. And as he asked me to speak 
on that, I'm like, man, I've honestly never heard a message on speaking your truth. Like, what does that even mean? Speak your truth. That's like super generic. But then we started talking about it and we started discussing it. And I, was, I started studying on, man, what does it mean to speak my truth? And as, as we began to, to think and discuss and talk and the, the Lord began to work, um, we came up with this. Many Christians in this room today, myself included, find it hard to speak truth into other people's lives. Many Christians today find it hard to speak truth into other people's lives today. And as I began to think about that, why is it that it is so hard for us to speak truth into somebody's life? And I began to think of some questions in my mind, which was this, maybe I don't want to offend them. Man, if I speak this truth, I'm going to offend them and they're going to get mad and upset and angry. And then it's just going to be, it's going to be no more. Maybe, these are some thoughts I was thinking, maybe you don't want to lose that friendship. You're just like, hey man, that friend, that's my only friend. And if I'm honest with them, if I speak truth into them, I'm not going to have any more friends. And then it's just going to be over. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to be by myself. Maybe we find ourselves, you know, scared. We're just like, man, like, I just remember, you know, growing up in church and growing up in Sunday school, always hearing these, these things, these, these scriptures, these preconceived notions in the scripture where the Bible says, judge not, lest you be judged. Or the Bible says, or the Bible says, um, you know, get the moat out of your own eye before you start casting judgment on other people. And so, uh, you know, I was just like, man, those are things that I've thought where I'm like, when I see some truth or see, see some correction that I need to do, I'm like, man, I got to make sure that I'm getting the moat out of my own eye. I got to make sure I'm not being judgmental. So then I tend to find myself like, you know, a little scared and a little, a little afraid because of these preconceived notions that we've grown up with. But I'm, I'm here to, today to declare to you, to share with you a truth. And that truth is this, that we, me and you, have a right, get this, a right to share truth when truth needs to be shared. We have a right to share truth when truth needs to be shared. So this is what I want us to grasp. This is what I want us to understand, that we, me and you, are the priesthood of the believer. Now you're probably thinking, John, whoa, what, what do you mean priesthood of the believer? I mean this, me and you, if we're saved today, are having a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, may come down to us and convict us and say, hey, I need you to speak truth into this person's life. We are called priest, the priesthood of the believer. I, I have a, a definition. I'm not going to read it all of what the priesthood of the believer is, but it, it kind of goes like this. And I quote, this is from David J.R. Riggs. And he says this, um, 
You also, living stones, so this is the scripture, you also are living stones being built up in spiritual house, a holy priesthood after your spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The main, the main point of this is thus all Christians are a holy priesthood and can be, bring offerings to Jesus. Thus, what does that mean? That we can, we can speak truth to God by drawing nigh to the Lord with a full assurance to God. Jesus is now at the right hand of God and lives to make an intercession for his people. We are the priesthood of the believer. We, as believers, have the right to speak the truth with a full assurance of our heart. So that was just a major, major, major introduction of what we're going to learn today. And if you have a Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, the Bible is going to be in front of your pew. And if you would turn to page number 155, page number 155, or it's going to be on the screen, we are going to learn exactly what it means for us to speak truth into somebody's life today. Because I want you to know this. I want you to touch your neighbor again, touch your neighbor again, and say, neighbor, neighbor, I'm a prophet. I'm ready to speak some truth into your life. Let's pray. God, we need you, Lord. Lord, I pray you would help us be able to speak some truth into our friends' lives when we see that truth needs to be spoken. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so open up your Bible to page number 155, and I'm going to begin reading from 2 Samuel chapter number 12. But before I do that, I'm going to give you a little context of what's been going on. The Bible says in um, Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, it says this. It says, in the springtime, when all the kings were going off to war, Jerob led the land of the Enormites and went to Rehoboam. Basically, David, at this point in his life, is getting a commission by his kingly duty. Now, this isn't in your Bible, right? This is in the Bible, but this is a different portion of the Bible. I'm just giving you some context of what's going on right now. So he's giving a commission saying, hey, I am a king. It is my responsibility to lead my nation, lead my armies to battle. And King David, in that portion of scripture decided not to go he said you know what i'm not gonna go i'm just gonna i'm gonna do my own thing you know they can they can handle it my army's big you know they don't need me there but let me tell you something that was a commission that he was supposed to be doing and he decided not to do so what happened what happened to king david as he's like all right i'm supposed to be doing something now i'm not gonna do it well he was on a balcony when all of his armies were at war. And as he was on the balcony, you know, just taking a little vacation, when he's not supposed to take a vacation, taking a vacation. So you know, the, the key is don't take a vacation when you're not supposed to take a vacation. Otherwise, bad things happen. All right, just saying, no, no vacation, all right? I'm not just kidding. But so he's on a balcony, and he is supposed to be at war. And as he's on a balcony, he is looking out among his vast kingdom. Like, man, look at me. I'm so cool. I got this huge kingdom. All my armies are at work right now. I'm taking a vacation. And as he's looking out into this vast, beautiful kingdom, he sees a woman. And she's bathing inside of a bath. And as soon as he sees her, he says, you know what? 
I'm going to take her as my wife. Takes her as his wife, but unbeknownst to, well, unbeknownst to him at the time, he took a wife of one of his captives in the the military. So he finds out that he does this, and instead of saying, God, forgive me, please, I made a mistake, he said, you know what? I'm going to just send this guy up to the front of the line, and he's going to die. Praise the Lord. He's he's no longer in existence. Like, that's what he was thinking. He's just like, I got to cover up my sin real quick. And so he sends the the king, or he sends the, the gentleman up to the front of the line, and as he does that, he obviously dies. And, you know, David thinks at this point, he's like, hey, I'm in the clear, man. I'm good. No one knows. I did this in secret. My sin is completely covered. But then a friend comes, a prophet comes, and he says, hey, I need to speak a truth in your life. So that's where we're going to pick up the story in 2 Samuel chapter number 12. The Bible says this, then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Nathan was a prophet that the Lord sent. Pretty self-explanatory. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said this. Now, get this. He is telling a, he's not going to go straight up and say, hey, I got to speak a truth in your life, and this is your truth. Boom, 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 boom. No, that's not what he does. He says, hey, I got to speak a truth in your life, and I'm going to speak this truth but I'm going to be very tactful. I'm going to be very strategic in the way that I'm going to share this truth with you. Because, hey, how do you feel when someone's like, hey, I see something wrong in your life right now. It's like, boom, walls up. Like, I don't want to listen to that no more. Forget that. So Nathan said, you know what? I don't want David to have his walls up. So he approaches the king, very tactful, and he says this. He said, the Lord Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb he had bought. He raised it and grew it up with him and his children, and it it shared his food and drink from the cup and even slept in his arms. And he's just like, man, this is my sheep. I'm going to sleep with it. This is mine. This is, this is my livestock. I own it. No, no one can take it away from me. So he's telling this story to the king. And he said, he raised it and grew it up with him. Um, he raised it and grew it up with him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him instead. He took the lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for, one, for the one who had come to him. So the little poor man with his little sheep is just like, this is my sheep. No one can take it with me. I got to like take care of it like it's my little newborn baby. This rich man comes and just is like, hey, man, I know I can afford a sheep, but I want your sheep for my food. Here we go. I'm going to eat it. And David, at this point, was just like, oh, wow. This guy's about to get it right now. David begins to think in his mind. He's just like, man, David, buried with anger against this man, said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives. Man, he's just like, are you kidding me? This rich man decided to steal this poor little man's sheep and it's just no more. And he's, man, that's messed up. All right, that's it. I'm the king. I'm about to make a decree that my whole armies, even though they're gone right now, but my whole armies are going to come back and they're going to find that rich man and beat him up. So he said, David, buried with anger against this man, said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay 
for the land four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Man, he's just like, man, this guy's messed up. Then Nathan said to David, ooh, all right, David, you better be sitting down on your throne right now. He said, then Nathan said to David, hey, David, time to wake up, bro. Time to, time to, to realize something that I'm speaking some truth in your life right now. I'm speaking some, some truth. And he said, hey, David, you are the man. You are that man. That is what the Lord, the God of Israel said. He said this, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. He's beginning like, man, he's like preaching a fiery message at this point. Just saying, hey, David, man, you, you better, you better listen up. He said, I gave you a master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all of Israel and of Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. Remember we talked about that? He struck down that guy and he's like, hey, I'm gonna take this, this girl because it's my girl. And he said, you struck, down your tie with, uh, you struck down Uriah with a Hittite with a sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Enemites. En- 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 now therefore... Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and you took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. That uh, this is what the Lord says out of your household. I'm going to bring calamity on, on you before your eyes and I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did this in secret. He's like, man, you did this in secret. He's like, you did this in secret. Man, he's like, he thought he was in the clear. All of his armies were gone. Nathan's like, you did this in secret, man. Like the Lord sent me, but I will do this in broad daylight before you, before all of Israel. Then David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sins. You are not going to die. But because, uh, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contentment for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck Uriah, his wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God. He pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and spent all the nights living in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of the household, man, he's just like, I'm, I'm going to repent. I'm sorry. All the elders of the household stood beside him to get him up from the ground but he refused and he would not eat food with them on the seventh day the child died david david's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they thought while the child was still living he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him how can we now tell him his child is dead he may do something desperate david noticed that his attendants were whispering among, uh, David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves. And he realized that the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked? Yes, he replied. Many of you are probably wondering at this point, John, why did you just read that entire 19 verses of the Bible? Well, 
I'm going to tell you right here, this is why exactly why I read the entire 19 verses of the Bible. Because we in this room, we as Christians, we as the priesthood of the believer need to come to a situation or a point in our life to where we are not afraid to speak some truth into some people's lives today. I am afraid that many of us are afraid to speak truth. There is a quote that says this, for evil to triumph, good men must do nothing. For evil to triumph, good men must do nothing. And I'm afraid that we are allowing evil to triumph because we are afraid of what people may think or feel against us. So here it is. How can we learn to be like Nathan? How can we learn to say, you know what? I'm going to be like Nathan. Because get this, church. Nathan was a prophet. Yes. But King David was a mighty king who at very instant could have killed him for even speaking some truth into him. He had to go to the mighty king and say, I have some truth to tell you. And maybe you're in that situation. Maybe you're in this room where you're saying, I'm just so scared to approach this person because I am afraid of the rejection that I might feel. And I want to ask you, I want to beg you, I want to plead with you today to say, no. I will not allow evil to triumph. I will not allow my circumstance to determine my outcome. I will speak truth to people when I see that truth needs to be spoken. So today, we are going to learn three practical steps that Nathan took in his journey talking to David. And the first step that we are going to learn is this. We must approach the situation with humility. We must approach the situation with humility. Do you see, church, when Nathan went to David, he did not just start accusing him and yelling at him and making his walls go up. He said, hey, David, I have a truth I need to tell you. And he began with a soft story about some rich man who did something wrong. You see, if we are ever going to be truth tellers, we need to approach a situation with humility. The Bible says this, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death. Meaning you have the ability and the privilege and the power to transform someone with your tongue. And I want us to approach a situation with humility. You're saying, all right, John, how do I practically apply this to my life in my everyday working life? That means when you go to work tomorrow. That means when you're at work and you're clocking in and you're hanging out with your buddy and your buddy does something that may be against God's word or against your own conviction and you say, hey, like, dude, don't talk like that, bro. Like, you don't say that. Like, hey, man, could you just like, could you just not, like, just tone it down a little bit? Just, just tone it down. Like, you're, you're cool, but just, you know, tone it down. You see, we're approaching that situation with humility. We're not saying, hey, man, I'm a Christian. Like, I got beliefs, and you're really offending me right now, and I'm about to get really mad, and blah, 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 blah. Like, we're not pulling up our Christian horse right now and just saying, I'm a Christian. Like, stop talking like that. We're saying, hey, like, could you just not talk like that? Like, if we're going to approach that situation, that's how we really need to start thinking. Like, we just need to be like, all right, I'm going to be super graceful, super humble, and just super just honest. You see, Nathan is saying, hey, what if I didn't, what if I didn't listen to God? 
What, what, what if I decided to say, hey, man, if I allow David to do this, or if I speak truth into David's life, then I'm going to get killed, or I could get rejected, or I could end up, being, I could end up starving. And he just says, you know what? I'm going to forget about this whole situation. I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going gonna, gonna, I'm gonna to hear no evil, and I'm going to see no evil. But the evil was right in front of him. I'm afraid that's what we do. We're just like, I'm going to hear no evil. I'm going to see no evil. But we need to say, hey, I'm going to approach this situation with humility. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be loving. I'm just going to say, hey, I love you and I care for you. And, but you, could you just not talk that way? Could you just not act that way? Because it, it's really, really, really hard for me when you, when you talk like that, when you, when you act like that. And you see, this is the big idea. This is, I really don't care if you don't remember Approach the, situation, approach the situation with humility. What I want you to remember you're, you're, when you're at work this week, this is what I want you to remember. I want you to remember this. Discover the you that you don't know you have. Discover the you that you don't know you have yet. Meaning this, Nathan did not know what was going to happen when he approached David. If you get one thing from this entire message, discover the you that you don't know you have. Nathan approached David and said, hey, bro, don't be doing this. Hey, bro, I love you. I care for you. Hey, if you're going to get anything from this message, discover the you that you don't know you have yet. Because many of you have not approached this situation with humility. Many of you have said, I'm just going to leave the situation alone. I'm not going to touch it. What could God do? What could happen if the Christian in this room decides to say, hey, I'm just going to approach a situation, just a conversation that I don't agree with and just be a little bit more honest. Man, I remember working at 4th Street Pizza a few months ago and working at 4th Street Pizza, I'm just going to be straight up with you guys. Um, when people would ask me, hey, John, where do you work? I'd be like, hey, I work at a uh, pizza, pizza place. I work at a pizza place. That's where I work. But then in all honesty, it was, I work at a pizza place slash sports bar. Like that was the full, the full, full dynamic of that. And that was, wasn't what I was comfortable with. But as I would be going on deliveries with the owner, man, he would be like, beep, 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 beep. Like, like cuss words after cuss words after cuss words. Like, beep, 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 beep. He's like, oh, bro. They're like, oh, Pastor John, you're so cool. Like, like, oh, you're just like amazing, blah, blah, blah. Like, beep, beep, beep. Like, I'm just like, oh, like, oh you're just like the Justin Bieber pastor. I'd hear that all the time. I was like, oh, you guys are killing me. But then he'd be like, he'd be like this. And he's like, John, man. He's like, every time I'm around you, bro, I just, I don't cuss as much. I'm just like, dude, that's awesome. But I'm like, all I'm hearing is beep, 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 beep. But like, it's just like, he was just like, man, you just make me a better person. I'm just, I'm hanging out with you and I'm not cussing as much as I, I used to. You see, man, I approached that situation and I was, I approached that situation with humility. I wasn't just like, hey, hey, Josh, that was his name. Hey, you know, I know you're the owner of the store. I know you gave me the job and you're the reason that I'm like being able to eat because, you know, the pizza's really good and I eat it for free. But I'm like, hey, could you just not cuss in front of me because I'm a pastor? Like, come on, bro. Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? No, he's like, hey. Like, I didn't have to say basically anything. Just my lifestyle was like, man, you're making me a better person. You're making me not have to cuss as much. You see, discover the you that you don't know you have. I did not know that my, you know, appearance or whatever would cause him not to cuss as much. Nathan did not know that his appearance would allow that situation to happen. But you see, when we approach a situation with humility, It just doesn't stop there. It's not like, oh, all good things, all right? I'm good, I'm happy, I'm fantastic. No. You see, 
Nathan approached it. But as he approached it, he came to this second realization. And that second realization was this, the hurting fact of the matter. The hurting fact of the matter. You're like, whoa, what does that mean? So I'm approaching a situation with humility and I'm just being honest. I'm being transparent. I'm discovering the me that I don't know I have yet. I'm just being, you know, whatever. And then, man, the hurting fact. Here it is. David lost a son. A son. For what he did. David lost a son for what he did. Nathan had to be the barrier of that bad news and say, you're about to lose a son, Mr. King. How do you think he felt? Well, we read it, and it talked about how he began to fast, and he began to pray, and he began to, to you know, ask God to forgive him for that. And maybe for you, you're saying, I'm going to approach a situation a little bit better than you did, John, because I'm going to be a little bit more vocal instead of just, you know, acting like a Justin Bieber pastor. But I'm going to be a little bit more vocal. And I'm just like, hey, can you not talk like that? Meaning, when you say, when you stand for truth with people who aren't at the same, who aren't believers yet, it may hurt your relationship with them. They may not want to hang out with you as much as they hung out with you in the past. They may start saying, man, you're just a judgmental Christian, man. Like, man, get the moat out of your own eye. Like, start, man, start getting that cycle again, man. I just, oh, man, I just got to hide back in my corner. No, 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 no. There is hurt in that situation, but that hurt is not bad. You see, if it didn't hurt, we wouldn't know it was broken. I just remember as I began in high school, I was a, I was a, I was a punk, man. I was just like, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to youth group. I didn't want to do anything. And I just wanted to hang out with all the cool, you know, stoners and skaters and all that stuff. Like that was me. And I was just like, yeah, let's go, dude. Like I never did any of that, but that's just how I felt. And I was just like, as soon as I gave my life to the Lord, I said, God, I don't know what you have for me. I don't know the direction you want to take me, but God, I know that the friends I'm hanging out with, the people I'm hanging out with are not going the same direction that I'm going. And as soon as I did that, they broke off their relationship with me. They said, man, John, man, you just got so religious all the time. Oh, man, you're just like, you're preaching Jesus at us all the time. Like what, like, man, and that hurt me. I literally, for a small portion of my high school career, had no friends because of the decision to branch myself away. And that hurt. Man, I remember questioning myself, am I making the right decision? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, where are my friends? I remember eating lunch one time. I was eating lunch, and I took a picture. I was like, man, just me and all my friends. It's just a bunch of chairs, you know? Like, hey, what's up, Louis? How you doing? Like, just making it up. But, like, that hurt. But you see, here, here's what happened. That hurt led to something far greater than I can realize. And I, I want you guys to grasp this, that if you have to let go of relationships or friendships or things in your life where it's gonna hurt, here's what it's gonna lead to. Transparency equals trust. Meaning this, when I used to sit alone at stinking lunch and eat my little tater tots or whatever and hanging out with Louie over here in the, in the corner or whatever, I began to think, Man, I began to have a seat of doubt. Man, am I doing, am I doing this right? Like, where are my friends at? Like, where are my skater bros? Like, man, I'm, I'm speaking truth right now. I'm just like, I can't hang out with you guys no more. But, and then I began to like, man, like, what, is, what does God have for me? 
And then I began to build more relationships with, with other people, with, with other believers and Christians who were at the, like, who wanted the same thing that I wanted. And I began to trust God more saying, hey, you let go of the world a little bit. God's going to hold on to you a little bit more. I began to build these relationships and these friendships with people. And God began to do some miraculous things. And guess what? I'm at Southridge Church just because of a decision to say, hey, I'm willing to go through the hurt. Are you willing to go through the hurt today? Are you willing to let go of some of those friendships today? Are you willing to say, hey, I got to stand for truth today because guess what? Transparency equals trust. I was transparent with my friends and I was, man, that was hard, but God was, God built trust because I'm here today because of the decision that I decided to make about that while ago. And point number three, it's super simple, super helpful is this. The healing truth. The healing truth of the matter. Meaning, there's hurting truth in the matter. It's gonna hurt. It's gonna feel really terrible and gross and disgusting and you're just gonna wanna give up. But let me tell you something. There is healing in that truth and that I can be in a testament and tell you I'm here today because of that healing. You know, Nate or David was able to have another son because of that healing process of letting that hurt Go. Let me tell you something. This is, this is, this is the most amazing truth in the entire, this is my favorite quote ever. I was, um, this is it. Here it is. The truth that you and I speak. Get this. The truth that you and I speak have the power to transform history. The truth that you and I speak have the power to transform history. David was at after this situation, never, ever, ever made that mistake again. You, if you decide to speak truth into somebody's life, you may not know the impact that you have on their life. But that power, that decision, that choice changed my history forever. David wrote a psalm, and it's one of my favorite psalms in the entire, I always say psalms is one of my favorite psalms, but psalm, this psalm is one of my favorite psalms in the entire Bible. Because I could just picture, and I want you guys to just picture this as we begin to reflect on what God is doing in our hearts today. I want you to picture David getting approached by Nathan. David, feeling that hurt of possibly losing a son. And David, in this self-reflecting moment, is fasting and is praying and is seeking God, writes this psalm, and this psalm is amazing. Here it is. It says, have mercy on me, O God. I could just picture him writing it as he's in his, in his moment of hurt and healing and just saying, God, I'm so sorry for the mistake I made. I'm so sorry for the problems I caused. And he's healing and he's saying, God, have mercy on me. He's writing this after the sin of Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. He's saying, hey, God, please forgive me. Blot out my mistake. He's saying, wash away 
all the iniquity and cleanse me from my sins, from my transgressions, my wrongdoings, my decisions, my choices that I decided to make when I was not supposed to be making it. Please, God, he's saying, hey, wash away my transgressions and, and my sin always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight and at your right verdict and justified when you judge. Surely, I was sinful at birth and sinful from my mother's uh, conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness. Even in the womb, you taught me my wisdom and the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean and may, uh, wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let my joy, let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Get this. He's saying this. That is very, the very precept of his whole thing. He's saying, hey, God, hey, God, create in me a clean heart. He's begging God, saying, God, forgive me for the mistake and the choices that I made. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew the joy of my salvation. And that's the most amazing thing about our God is that, hey, no matter the mistake, that we make. God is always willing to forgive us. God is always willing to help us live a a better life because guess what? David was a king after God's own heart. David was, 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 was God's man. David was God's man. Like that was David. And he's saying, God, rejoice unto me the joy of my salvation. He's begging God for forgiveness. You see, there's healing in asking God to forgive. There's healing when we, when we decide to realize that, hey, we have a right, we have a privilege to speak some truth into people's lives. There's healing. There's truth. David said, God, create in me, uh, re- restore my salvation. He said, do not cast uh, me from your presence. Take, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach my transgressions your ways so that the sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt. And he had guilt. He said, deliver me from my guilt, God. Deliver me from my guilt. My sacrifice, O oh God, a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart. God will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of righteousness and the burnt offerings. Whole the bulls will be offered afar off. Here's what it is, church. Here's what it is. I'm going to break it down. Here's what it is. I would like everyone to stand up and bow your heads. Everyone stand up and bow your heads. Church, I want us to go away. I want us to realize that this week, if we're going to hear no evil, if we're going to choose to speak some truth into some people's lives, this week, we have to get rid of those pre-existing notions in our minds. We have to say, hey, even though the Bible says judge not lest you be judged, let me have a balance in that. Church, are we afraid to, to speak some truths into some people's lives today? Because we're the priesthood of the believer. And maybe for you, you're saying, John, I just never ever approached a situation with humility because I ran away from my situation. I ran away from what you had for me. But as you were speaking, as God was working, man, I just, I got so convicted to, to be more open, to be more to have an open heart and open mind to that when I see evil, when I hear evil, when, when God prompts me to go, just like he prompted Nathan to go, that I'll go. And maybe for you, your heart's cry today is that, man, John, you were talking about being a priesthood of the believer, and I have no idea what that means. No idea. 
Here's what it is simply, church. God loves you. God loves you, church. God died for you, church. And even with all that sin, all that sin of Nathan, or I mean, all that sin of David, all that sin of, of your past that you may be feeling right now, all that sin, that, as, that, that barrier that's, that's there right now, God says, it doesn't matter, church. It doesn't matter, John, because I love you. I want to have a relationship with you. And all you have to do, just like David, all he had to do was say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And you're forgiven. All you have to do is say, God, I realize that I'm a sinner. I realize that I make mistakes. I realize that I can't live this Christian life on my own and I need you to come into my heart and to save me. And let me tell you something, once you do that, you're forgiven. Lord, I pray that you would help us to approach situations with humility. God, I pray that you would help us realize that it's gonna hurt. But finally, God, help us realize that there is healing. There's healing. And you are the great healer. Lord, I pray you would help each individual in this room, God. I pray if there be anybody in this room who does not know you as Savior, that they would pray that prayer and that they would mark that on their connection card. If, if that's something they want to do, God, Lord, I pray for that person who has those preconceived notions in their mind where the Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged, and that they would say, you know what? I'm going to be like Nathan. I'm going to speak truth. Because for evil to triumph, Good men must do nothing. God, help us not be guilty of that this week. We praise you and thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.